and welcome to The Family Business. I'm your host, Shannon. I'm Donna. And I'm Z. And tonight we are going to be discussing episode six entitled No Exit. And this episode, holy shit. <laughs> we'll get into this a little bit later, but some of the anticipatory moments in this episode just had me like freaking cringing and almost not wanting to look at the screen. With this episode, Z, we learned that it is based off of true events, and most of it was covered in the episode. But if you would, go ahead and kind of give everybody a refresher on what it is that Sam and Dean were dealing with. They're dealing with an angry spirit, mm -hmm. which is uh, a spirit that has unfinished business or is seeking revenge due to some kind of horrific death. In this particular case, they're dealing with H.H. H. Holmes, who is kind of coined as America's first serial killer. Yes. He would... He, actually, this episode takes place in, like, Pennsylvania, doesn't it? Yes. Okay, that's what I was thinking. He actually was in Illinois. It's like in Chicago. Right. So it's not, like, accurate that way. But well, they H. said H. That he was in prison. prison. They said when he built the house yes. that he was that he built the house in Chicago. So that was that was accurate. But he was in prison in Pennsylvania because it was a federal prison. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. So maybe I just missed that part. But yeah, so he actually was uh, arrested for killing his friend. They agreed to uh, fake his friend's death. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. His name's like Pietzel or something. Um, it's like P I E T Z E L or something. And so they said that they were going to fake his death, and then Holmes, like, actually killed him. Uh, so that sucks for Pitzel. But anyways. Why fake it when you can just do it? Exactly, exactly. Anyways, so that was just one of many. He eventually, like, confessed to 27 murders. They could only, like, verify nine of them. Um, and then some of the people that he confessed to murdering were still alive in the house huh. when they arrested him. I wonder if he confessed to murder because he figured that they wouldn't find him in time. Yeah, or that they him. had already died or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then some magazine in the 1940s made it popularly known that he killed like 200 people, as many as 200, but there's no like actual verification of that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so he's America's like first serial killer before we really knew what serial killers were. I think he lived about the same time as Jack the Ripper. Or a couple mm. of decades after, right? Yeah, because Jack Ripper was in the 1800s. 1800s. This was in... 1846. Was it 1846? Something. Yeah, I think it was 46. It was the 18-something. I thought it was in the 19... No, they said he died in 1896, I think. May 19... Or May 16th, 1861 to May 7th, 1896. Okay. So he was, he was only like 34 years old. Or it was right before his 34th birthday. Mm. He was in the 1800s. Okay. I did hear one time that there was a theory that Holmes was Jack the Ripper, hmm. but they have extremely different MOs, so I doubt that. But it was a cool, yeah. it was a cool understanding. Anyways. Also, Jack the Ripper was in London. Yeah, yeah but that he had come over. You but, can, they have these things called boats, yeah, where you can go back and forth great distances over water. You done? <laughs> you know, last week you said you weren't a violent person. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, so that was who they were dealing with this week. Super, I think it's a super cool, interesting case or whatever. They have a bunch of documentaries on it. And there's even a point in the episode where they're doing their research and then actual pictures of Holmes is on Zan's computer. Yes. So that was cool. And the actor that they got and the makeup that they did, it was pretty similar. I it mean, unbelievable. Yeah. I, 
I don't know. I thought he just looked like a bloated dead body kind of thing. Like, mm. in comparison, because when you look at, at Holmes and then you looked at that guy, he was considerably more. Let's see what more. your ghost looks like in a hundred and something. I mean, years. if there's like ghost <laughs> Twinkies and Oreos, then I'm sure she's going to look bloated. <laughs> if there are ghost Twinkies and ghost Oreos, then I want to come back as a ghost. So, yeah. So one of the funny things with this is, of course, we have Ellen and Joe back. Dean starts out his portion of this episode saying that they have to go find this lady who has been kidnapped by an evil cult and all of this. And he ends up saying that it's Katie Holmes. <laughs> and of course, the evil cult that he's talking about is Scientology. Uh, and this would be whenever Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise were still married, obviously. But I just thought that that was such a funny dig into what would have been at that point a culturally relevant mm -hmm. thing that was going on. So a little, little pop culture reference right yes. there. And of course now it's dated and all of that. So I need to tell you something. I watched this episode twice. I watched it late last night and then I watched it just like right before we started recording. And when I watched it last night, I just loved it. I loved it so much I literally did not take notes. I just sat there and watched it. Then I watched it the second time because I was like, I need some notes. I was mad as hell the whole time. I was pissed off the whole time I watched it the second time. Why? Starting with Dean's comment about catfight. Mm. It's a mother and daughter, you freak. Okay? You're going in. It's a mother and her daughter. Bad, Dean. Why? Bad. Why does that make him a freak? Because guys getting turned on by women getting into a fight is because it's sexy. Was he getting turned on by it? Well, isn't that what Let's Go Watch the Cat Fight is about? I thought it was in comparison to going to save Katie Holmes from Scientology. I thought that's what it was. It was he was like, we, we have to go save this chick from this cult or whatever, or we can go watch this cat fight. The thing is, is that typically whenever guys are talking about a cat fight, it's two women who are fighting. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's There's no sexual connotation. Well, they seem so excited it. about it. Ooh, cat fight! I didn't either. I totally did. Okay. I always do that. That always sounds like they're excited when they talk about it's cat fight. Okay. I just always thought it was because supposedly girls fight differently. I can throw a mean punch, but I can also pull hair, and I know that guys don't typically pull hair in a fight. Well, and two, the thing is, is that, I mean, Joe and Ellen are both very strong-willed individuals, mm -hmm. and watching the two of them go at it would probably be very entertaining, mm -hmm. because they're not going to be pulling any punches. Okay, then we've got Dean doubts Joe throughout this episode. He, he's very adamant in his doubting of her right um and assuming that he's telling the truth that it's not because she's a woman i mean he he explains no women can make good hunters so okay so why he says she's an amateur but he dismisses any evidence that shows she knows what she's doing he dismisses that she put the file together he's like did ash do this like, no, Initially did. he did though, but later whenever he's talking to Sam about the file, he talks about how comprehensive it is and how well put together it is. And, and he everything. sounds really surprised about it too. He does. It does um, kind of sound a little derogatory. Like, can he, you believe this? He dismisses her knife he, until until she sees that it's got his her father's initials on it. It was kind of a dinky knife though. It, it was, but... 
you know, she was handling it really well. It's true, she was. But the um, thing is, is I think Dean would have done that to anybody who was sitting there with such a small knife. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I think he would have done it. If, if Sam had been sitting there, if Bobby had been sitting there, I still think that Dean would have gone and gotten this, you know, huge crocodile Dundee yeah. knife and handed it to him. So basically, I just didn't understand why Dean was so dismissive of Joe. I was really annoyed as hell about all the B-movie Scream Queen screaming, and I'll go into that more in detail. Joe does eventually call Dean out on it, though. She, yeah. She calls him out. Dean makes another pervy comment when when Joe is trying to scoot past him, and he makes the comment about how he should mm. clean the pipes. Was that like, was, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, Dean, no. That one was really super freaking creepy. After she was captured... I love, I love that she was, I mean, she was tough about it. She wasn't freaking out. She cried a little, but she wasn't freaking out. She reassured the other girl. You know, she was defiant to the guy. She even stabbed him with her knife. And I like how she did that because she was playing this coy little victim role of like, you know, like she was afraid and she just lured him right into grabbing onto her and she just fucking stabbed him. Yeah, it was And I loved it. But in the end, she still needed to be rescued, proving Dean right, proving Ellen right, that she wasn't. How old is Joe, though? Well, she's been to college. So is Sam. Is that the same age? 20, 22. Roughly, yeah. Here's the thing, though, is it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. If you get locked into something like what Joe was locked into, you're not getting the fuck out of there without some help. Yeah. So I don't think that that says anything about her as a female character. I just think that that is a realistic depiction of what the hell is going to happen if you're captured sure. and you're locked up. I mean, yeah, she needed to be rescued, but you know what? Dean and Sam themselves have needed to be rescued. Mm-hmm. Like in the Benders in season one, Sam literally had to be rescued because he was in a fucking cage yeah. and couldn't get out. I think that it wasn't just because Joe is a woman. It's because she was up against pretty much insurmountable odds. And, and I, so, will, I will step off my soapbox now and we can discuss <laughs> other things about the episode. Thank you for letting me have my little rant. You're welcome. I want to throw in a real quick thing. Huh? The beginning of the episode was so pretty. Like that opening scene, like it was like silhouette, I think it was trees or, or something. It's like silhouette of trees against like this incredible sunset background. I was like, you go cinematographer. That's pretty. <laughs> and that is one good thing about Supernatural is that they do have some great cinematography usually. Yeah. Like uh, in, in episode three of this season, whenever, you know, we get back in black with baby and the driving and everything. So... Yeah, I agree. One thing I do want to point out is something that Donna told us to be on the lookout for this season, and that is Sam's cast, brace, splint, whatever it is that he's got, uh, due to him actually breaking his arm or wrist, should I say, in episode four, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Mm -hmm. So you told us to be on the watch for that, and guess what? There it was. Here it was. Yeah, at first, I, I even started to make a comment. I was like, when in the hell did Sam get it? I was like, oh, no. No, Donna told me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I want to go back real quick to your Joe soapbox. Because there's something that I realized about Joe whenever they are initially in the roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Joe is Sam and Dean 
wrapped up in one character. Mm -hmm. She is the strong, kick-ass, tough as nails, no nonsense, this is what I'm going to do, this is why I'm doing it. But at the same time, she has the analytical, brainy, research part down too. And so I think that that's another thing that just makes her an excellent character because you've got Sam and Dean who have their own specialties on what it is that they do. And yes, you know, we have the crossover where Dean does occasionally know how to use a computer. Mm -hmm. And Sam is, you know, sometimes the really kick-ass hard one. But with Joe, you get both of those in one. Mm -hmm. She She also makes sexual jokes and that's something that I, I kind of like about her because a lot of the times like if a female is kick-ass then she has to be like there's no sexualness to her at all or right. if she does become sexual then she loses all of her powers or whatever but she even makes a joke she says uh, if you're gonna ride me this close you gotta buy me dinner and yes. I thought that was really funny and yes. she still remains kick-ass after making a sex joke yep. so I don't know I, I like Joe a lot yeah all right, guys. Well, at this time, we are going to go ahead and take a break. So, Miss Donna, if you would go visit us on iTunes or Google Play and give us a rate, give us a review, and maybe subscribe. It helps us out, uh, helps people find us. You can talk to your friends about us. If you've got other friends that really enjoy Supernatural, you can tell them about us, tweet about us, that sort of thing. You can interact with us on social media. You can find us at TFB underscore SPN Fancast on Twitter. The Family Business underscore SPM Fancast on Instagram or at snarkcasts.tumblr.com, which includes all of our other sister casts as well. You can also find us on Facebook at snarkcasts. Please go visit us at Gumby Cat Networks. That's gumbycatnetworks.com, where you can find our sister podcasts, Collective Snark, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, and Once More with Feeling, along with a lot of other fun and interesting podcasts. So, in the beginning of the episode, when Joe and Ellen are fighting, this couple walks in with their toddlers. <laughs> um, my first thought was, why the hell are you bringing two toddlers into this dingy-ass bar? That, what kind of parents? That does not look like a family-friendly establishment. No. no, it doesn't. It doesn't even look like a, this is an authentic Nebraskan restaurant. Like, no, that is a dingy-ass little bar on the side of the road that I don't even know how you got to. Well, and I will say, and I I think it was in the beginning, whenever they first show the Roadhouse, I'm like, what the fuck is that rundown building? And I was like, oh, oh, it's the Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it looks like a freaking eyesore on the side of the road. So, yeah. Especially then they're like, we're just going to go to the Arby's down the road. Like, why didn't you do that in the first place? They have kids meals. Like, what do you think you're going to get at the Roadhouse? A corn dog? Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. There were several scenes during this episode, and I mentioned this right as we started the podcast, that I was just freaking the fuck out. And as I've said before, I'm a huge baby when it comes to horror movies. I typically don't watch them. The main reason that Supernatural usually doesn't bother me is because it's not focusing completely on the horror. We have other things that are going on. But like in the beginning, 
whenever the first victim like looks at the mm, the light little switch hole, yes, and sees that eye, that got me. And then of course, like Donna was motioning that you couldn't see the fingers coming through the vent. Oh, that was creepy. And then Dean reaching in that same fucking mm-hmm. head. No, Mm-mm. no way I was in like, hell. I was like, I saw this in the Mummy. That guy gets his arm chopped up. <laughs> like, no, thank you. Well, and in this case, it would be. I'm pretty sure his arm just fucking ripped off. Yeah. But, and I have to say that Joe has bigger balls than I do because there is no fucking way I'm going by myself deeper into the bowels of a murder house. I don't care. I just know I am not doing that. But then once she was actually captured and the camera keeps looking through the little slit, I just like, okay, any moment now we're going to have the eye Mm-hmm. Eyes show up. Any moment now, we're going to have the eyes show up. Any moment, oh, any moment now. And I just, the anticipation of it happening was driving me so fucking crazy. I mean, it was making me more afraid than if they had actually done it because I was expecting mm-hmm. it. And then, of course, we don't really get the eye. We get the fucking his mouth. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know which is worse. I just really don't know which is worse. So I don't know if that was the writer doing that, if that was the director doing that, if it was both, but that scene just really, really ratcheted up the tension for me. It It was really bad. I want to talk for a minute about screaming. I've always been bothered by that B-movie scream, and a lot of it is because I am easily startled. It is not hard to startle me. I get very focused on what I'm doing, and you'll startle me, and I'll go, ah! Or, ah, eek! You know, okay, I don't say eek, that's stupid. I do a lot lot of, ugh! Yeah, so (laughs) you can absolutely startle a vocalization out of me. Yeah. If you actually manage to scare me, what you're going to get is a rather monotone, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. (laughs) Um, But just the other day, I read this thread by Mary Robinette Kowal, who is a writer, and she does the Writing Excuses podcast, but she also does a lot of voiceover work. And she had this thread that kind of helped me figure out what it is that bothers me about screaming. And she says, she's talking about that scream and that women make when frightened and men make when tortured. She says, it's not a natural fear sound. You actually have to be relaxed to make it. So the only time you'll hear that sound is when someone is having fun, like if they're bungee jumping. Mm-hmm. You'll get that scream when someone's bungee jumping. And it said it came from radio when you couldn't see faces. Uh... Um, but even then, only women do it when they're afraid in, you know, radio. And yeah. so it's it's come forward into B-movies, but it's it's basically intended to convey weakness because only mm-hmm. women do it. Well, and because, I mean, men are too manly to scream. Unless they're yeah. being tortured. Yeah. Then they'll scream. But, I mean, can you really help that? (laughs) Anyway, it was just just something that really kind of crystallized. Because I I have never liked that Scream Queen thing, but that kind of crystallized. Oh, that, right there, that is what's wrong with it. But, you know, the funny thing is, is with the the Scream Queen thing, is it has made some people's careers. I mean, freaking Jamie Lee Curtis. It catapulted her into stardom and mm-hmm. opened so many doors for her and everything. And now she does yogurt commercials. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, everybody's got to poop, okay? <laughs> so even Jamie Lee Curtis, whether you want to be I have, or not. I have, of course, with Beyond the Cabin, we do a lot of horror movies. 
Well, that's all we do is horror movies. And I have I have written down more than once that this actress was hired for her scream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. Yeah. So that's my second soapbox of the episode. I will try and put the rest of the soapboxes away now. Don't that, lie. That's, <laughs> that scream didn't even actually sound like Joe to me. Uh-huh. To me, Joe has a little bit of a lower... Like, it's not a manly voice, but it's lower on, on uh-huh. registers. And that scream was almost too high like i just couldn't i couldn't believe that joe mm-hmm. made that sound so i want to kind of touch on the end yes. of the episode and with the end of the episode wait are you talking about the in the car or the at the roadhouse you know we can actually talk about both i was meaning at the roadhouse let's talk about the car first the, okay. the one time that the driver doesn't pick the music <laughs> <laughs> well it is clear that dean really is afraid of ellen oh yeah i'm just really interested in the dynamics of who sat where mm-hmm. how did Ellen and Sam ended up end up. How did the six foot four guy end up in the back? End up in the back seat, uh, and Ellen in the passenger seat, and Dean driving. Okay, I think Dean would have gone into the into the car, unlocked it, you know, whatever, and Ellen would have immediately gotten into the front seat because you fucking let my daughter get kidnapped by this like crazy monster thing. And you did you lied to me about it. Like I think she sat there for intimidation. And then Sam was probably like, I guess I'll get in the back. Well, I think Sam number one, if I'm Sam, I don't want Ellen behind me where I can't see her. <laughs> this is true. This is I, true. I want to be able to see her when she's coming at me so I can at least try to defend myself because I have no doubt in my mind that she's gonna kick my ass. So and, it's a mutual effort. And she's, exactly. and she's no doubt armed. I don't care that she flew. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't care that yeah. she flew. She's armed. And here's the thing, too. I think even though we don't really see it, even though we see El- or we see Joe and Sam occasionally looking at each other, I think a little bit of Sam was enjoying, enjoying the fact that <laughs> Dean was getting so much shit from Ellen, even though she's not saying a word. She's pretty much not talking mm-hmm. at all, to the point where Dean is so fucking nervous, he has to fill the silence with his own voice. Yeah. I think Sam was enjoying a little bit of that. I think he was. I think he was. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, that was my thought on my second watch, was I really want to know how it broke down where everyone sat. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. I think I think Joe wanted to be a far, as far away from Ellen... And I think Ellen wanted to be as close to Dean, and I think Sam wanted to not be behind or in front of Ellen. So yeah. it was just like, this is how it's gonna be. Yeah, I can agree with like, that. Like magnets positioning themselves. Yes. yes, yes. So now the Roadhouse ending. Yeah. With that, we find out that John Winchester was with Joe's dad, William Anthony Harvey. Thank you. Whenever he died. Mm-hmm. And Ellen makes a point of saying, look, your dad had never worked with a partner before, had never, you know, done anything with anybody else before, and this is the first time he does this, and he gets killed. And there was there was one moment where, and I can't remember if they were on the phone or if they were in face-to-face or whatever, but Dean said that he promised Ellen, and Ellen said, you promise. That's not the first time I've heard that from a Winchester. And then we realized that John obviously made the promise of, you know, I'll make sure Mm -hmm. that he's safe, I'll keep him safe, we'll Mm -hmm. come back alive, whatever it was. He made some promise to ensure Ellen's husband's safety, and he wasn't able to follow through with that. To the point 
where John just never fucking came back mm-hmm. and never mentioned Ellen and Joe to anybody else. That's how much he realized he fucked up. Mm-hmm. And so then Joe, who is has spent you know all of these times talking with Dean about how you know I want to follow in my dad's footsteps, I want to honor his memory. He was the the all of these things to me. Then she learns the truth, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the thought of being near Dean is the farthest thing from her mind. She mm-hmm. wants him away from her. Now, at the time we're recording this, The Last Jedi just came out. As a point here, I'm, I'm making a point. I'm getting... Are you spoiling? Well, only in the tiniest of senses. But, no, it, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. There was a story that was presented that put one person in a very bad light. And then you saw that same story from another point of view that put somebody else in a very bad light. And then we saw that same story again from another step back that once again changed the whole dynamic of that story. And I actually thought of that as we were watching this episode going, okay, we've got Ellen's version of what happened. Mm -hmm. We don't have anybody else's view on that story right so that's uh that was kind of the thought i had is you know john john was not a good dad but he was a good hunter yeah so i really wonder and i can't honestly remember if there's more to that story you know one thing that just clicked for me with you saying that is how ellen right now her behavior is and how she treats joe and how she treats those around her in that she's cordial for the most part but she's very businesslike. She's no nonsense. She doesn't take shit off of anybody. And generally, whenever we see her, she's not smiling. And this isn't a, hey, you should smile more thing. But whenever Joe is talking to Dean about how Ellen behaved whenever her dad went on a hunt. Oh, yeah. She said, you know, mom would cry. She was upset. She was pissed off the entire time. But as soon as Joe's dad came back... Then it was smiles again, and we were a family, and all of this. And so Ellen is pretty much stuck in that position Mm -hmm. of her emotions being in constant turmoil because her husband never came back to her and never gave her a reason to be happy again. And while I think that she is happy with what bit of a life she does have, she's stuck in that role of being the concerned spouse mm-hmm. whose life basically was destroyed as soon as her husband was killed. Just take my heart out and stomp on it, <laughs> why don't you? That's very sad. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so we've got just a little bit of time before we need to sign off for this week. Is there anything else that you guys feel like we need to discuss? Why were they using a metal detector in the city? The fuck? The fuck? I'm yeah. sorry, but no, no. No, no, don't apologize for that because I had the same thought. I was like, what the fuck are you people doing? Right? Like, so, look at all this barb stuff. Or the what it, rebar, whatever this yeah. is, under all this concrete. Well, and all metal the pipes. Cubes, metal over there. Yeah. I found 60 pennies. <laughs> but no ghost. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I agree with you. That was ridiculous. Here's my other thing with that part two is the cement truck. Whenever they're whenever they're filling it up, I mean, number one, how do they know that they have enough cement to fill that whole thing in? Number two, how do they know that you know it's actually going where it's supposed to? Mm-hmm. 
So and how do they know it's not just gonna wash the salt yes. away? Exactly. That was really dumb. So, but yeah. also with the the metal detector, they used it like a dog, like like the, it sniffed out the the little <laughs> the, the the cover. Yes, yeah. like they, they just walked it down the street, like where you go, boy, you got the scent. Where's it at? And I was just like, the fuck are you doing? How do you think metal detectors work? Yeah, yeah. I was just like, no, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. All right, guys. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time for this week. We want to thank you for joining us, and we invite you to come back next week when we will be discussing Episode 7, entitled The Usual Suspects. So until then, carry on, jerk bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.